If you're looking in your pew Bible, page 101, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Well, today, beloved people of God, we're going to under this, uh, in this sermon, we're going to do so, we're going to consider it under this theme, God tells us why we should keep the Sabbath day holy. God tells us why, the why, if you will, of keeping the Sabbath day holy. Now, as you know, we've been considering the fourth commandment. We've seen that the Sabbath we should keep is now the Lord's day. We've been noting that the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church and the Seventh-day Baptist Church and others with similar views are in error. Indeed, we could say serious error with regard to Seventh-day Adventist and a number of issues, but certainly with regard to this. But we've already noted then that it is now the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, that we are to observe as the Sabbath. This is what in the New Covenant era the fourth commandment means. And we noted last week, as I'm sure that Sawyer would be able to tell me after the service, that there are three things that characterize the Sabbath, namely rest, worship, and mercy. So rest, worship, mercy, you all remember that, I'm sure, from last week. But now we want to look at the why of the Sabbath. Why is it? Why is it that we should keep the Sabbath? And as we look at this, we see that there are reasons that are directly God-oriented. In other words, it's, of course, because he has ordained it. He's commanded it. He has decreed it. We talked about the decrees during Sunday school today, the whole notion of decree, including, as was noted, uh, just like a constitution or a Congress making decrees and so forth. God has ordained it. And so that certainly is adequate, an adequate reason. But on the other hand, Sabbath keeping at the same time is for the benefit of man. It is for the benefit of man. So let's look at three things today. First, uh, uh, perpetuity, purposes, and reasons annexed to the fourth commandment. So perpetuity, purposes, and reasons annexed to the fourth commandment. So first of all, in terms of perpetuity, now you know what, what is something is perpetual. It means it keeps on going. It's not temporary. It's permanent. So in terms of the perpetuity of the Sabbath, that it is perpetual, we see, first of all, that Sabbath observance is a moral command. The moral law 
binds universally, whether formally enacted or not. It binds universally. It's by very definition. That's what it means to be moral. It is universal. It is binding universally in terms of time, in terms of place, in terms of people. It binds universally. It is the nature of the case. The Sabbath then is more than ceremonial, although in the Old Covenant there were ceremonial aspects. But the Sabbath as such is more than ceremonial. So, first of all, Sabbath observance is a moral command. Secondly, this commandment is part of the Ten Commandments. It is part of the Ten Commandments in which... The moral law is summarily comprehended, is summed up in a comprehensive way. There is no reason to think, therefore, that the Sabbath as such was ceremonial rather than moral. And this is true. This, this principle is true, that it is moral rather than ceremonial, even though the fourth commandment is not explicitly repeated in the New Testament. Now, every other law, I believe, every other one of the Ten Commandments is explicitly repeated. Do not lie, do not steal, do not kill, and so forth. It is not explicitly, particularly expressed in the New Testament, but at the same time, there are hints at it in the New Testament. As we've already noted, in terms of gathering together uh, uh, the, um, on the Lord's Day, as John was in the spirit on the Lord's day as the people were to gather as they gathered at Troas, Acts chapter 20, on the first day of the week, as Jesus appeared in the midst of his disciples on the first day of the week. And so there are hints at it in the New Testament, or even as we noted in terms of Hebrews 4, with regard to Jesus having, having himself done his work of salvation. So God has originally had done his work of creation, he rested. So we have the six-in-one pattern in terms of work and rest. But now we have Jesus on the eighth day, as it were, who, does, who completes his work by means of his resurrection. And now having himself entered into his rest... He now gives us this pattern of one plus six, if you will. So there is no need, in any case, there's no need for repetition since the Sabbath is part of God's moral law. Thirdly, the punishment for violating it was severe. The punishment for violating it was severe. Did you catch this in our other scripture reading today from Exodus chapter 31? Exodus 31 and verse 14, you shall keep the Sabbath, therefore it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. I appreciate it. Uh, Elder Patillo's uh, comments as he was uh, about to read this passage and how important the Sabbath is in terms of uh, not just in the Ten Commandments, but throughout the book of Exodus and so forth. And that really is what this is all about, isn't it? Is the, it's, why, why is this in terms of whoever pervades it shall surely be put to death? Because those who 
deliberately rejected the Sabbath, deliberately, in that Old Testament economy, rejected the Sabbath. Effectively, we're rejecting the covenant because the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant. That's why, or one of the reasons why, at least, it was so important. This penalty, by the way, was more severe than for than for other offenses. Even, for example, not circumcising someone led to that person being cut off from the covenant community, but not necessarily death. And so it does show the importance the, and the utter seriousness of the matter just by virtue of the fact that the punishment here, at least in Exodus 31, of violating it was severe. Then we also read... We also read in Genesis chapter 2, as we go back to creation, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Now think about this a minute, folks. Did God have to rest? Does God get tired? No, he doesn't get tired. He didn't have to rest. But he rested in order to set the example for us. God gave this example to man. God gave this example to man. And therefore, again, it shows that long before Moses, uh, long before Moses, long before the Mosaic economy, you had the Sabbath rest from earliest times Man has had the seven-day week, even though there's no astronomical reason for it. Now, we look at the moon. I don't know if you all saw the moon last night. That was spectacular. You missed it if you missed it, let me tell you. That was spectacular. It was amazing. Beautiful. Big, beautiful full moon. Well, the moon, of course, gives us the months. Right? This is why we have months of 30 days, roughly. And um, we uh, also have, we have days. We have day and night uh, because of the sun as it uh, comes up in the east and then as it goes across the sky and it sets in the west and the night finishes. And then children, the next day, the sun comes up again and so forth. So we have an astronomical reason. We look to the heavens in terms of that. We can look uh, to the heavens even in terms of the stars and uh, the, the, um, uh, the constellations and things like that and see that there are seasons. Orion, for example, is, is uh, going to be, I don't think he's appeared yet, but he should be appearing soon in the beautiful night sky, beautiful winter sky, and so forth. So there are there's a certain regularity that we can look at in terms of seasons, even in astronomy, even apart from the, the seasons that we have in terms of agriculture. But think about this. There is no astronomical reason for a seven-day week. And yet it is built into the DNA of man. Just try to suggest, as the French Revolution tried 200 years ago, just try to suggest, no, 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 we're going to have a 10-day work week. Not going to go over very well, is it? And so 
this too shows that there's something even in how man has been created for this six and one pattern. If you look at Exodus 16, verse 23, if you look at Exodus 16, verse 23, of course, this is uh, after the, the people came out of Egypt, but before the, the uh, imposition of the law, the Mosaic administration, we read, then he said to them, this is what the Lord has said, tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. So this is before the giving of the Ten Commandments, before the Mosaic administration. So this, the way it is, is stated here, implies that the Sabbath was a well-known institution. And one other thing I want to note in this regard, in terms of the perpetuity, and that is, if we look at Isaiah chapter 58, if we look at Isaiah 58, and including in uh, conjunction with uh, chapter, um, chapter 56, you see here, in Isaiah 58, it's really talking about the reign of Messiah. Go back to uh, chapter um, uh, 56, uh, for example. Um, verse 6, also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord to be his service. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. And so forth. What is that pointing to? It's pointing to the reign of Messiah, to the reign of Christ. And then, of course, you come to chapter 58, and as we have looked at before, verses 13 and 14, and this again is the, this provision here at the end of chapter 58 of Isaiah is related to the reign of Jesus Christ. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure in my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The whole point, again, of Isaiah is the reign of Christ, is it not? Particularly as he now, as you see in these later chapters, this is... This is what the point is. And so it indicates then that Sabbath observance is part of the reign of Jesus Christ in the present day. So the perpetuity, but secondly, the purposes. The purposes. What are the purposes of the Sabbath? Well, first of all, to commemorate or to remember, to remember the work of creation. The pattern of six plus one is set cost of the days of creation. You see, the whole point here is that the Sabbath gives us a chance to step back from creation and to praise God for it. That's the point. So instead of working it, instead of tilling the ground, instead of developing creation, the cultural mandate, the creation mandate, the Sabbath gives us a chance to step back from creation, to rest from it, and to praise God for it. 
And so we remember, we commemorate the work of creation. Secondly, the per one of the purposes is to preserve the knowledge of the one true and living God. Now, there was a man by the name of Voltaire, Voltaire, V-O-L-T-A-I-R-E, Voltaire, uh, who was uh, in the 1700s. He was a pagan French philosopher. But he very um, insightfully said this, destroy the Sabbath and you destroy Christianity. Of course, he wanted to destroy Christianity, you understand. This is why the French Revolution later deliberately rejected the seven-day week in order to destroy Christianity. Destroy the Sabbath and you destroy Christianity. Well, how is it that the Sabbath preserves the knowledge of God? Well, first of all, the very fact of gathering for worship is a statement that God exists. Why are we here today? Why are you here? I trust you're here because you have faith in God. You know who God is. Unlike the people that we see going into all parties and all kinds of sports events on this day, you are here because you are making a statement. It is a statement. It's not just you're making a statement. It is a manifestation of your faith. That's why you're here. And the very fact that we are gathered, small group though we are, the very fact we are here is a way of testifying, of manifesting the rule of God and the existence of God. Secondly, the sermons and lessons proclaim Christ and the gospel. And this also is how we preserve the faith. The sermons and the lessons proclaim Christ and the gospel. And I would also note that the saints encourage each other. Matter of fact, is that not what Hebrews 10 says? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the, the day approaching and it there, it's the, the, it includes, at least besides worship, it includes the whole idea of fellowship. We encourage one another. We speak the truth to each other. We come alongside each other. We say to people, how was your week? How are you doing? How are you living for Christ? Are you discouraged? And if we're all discouraged and we're not encouraged, we don't get built up, it's going to be hard to preserve the faith, isn't it? So the fact that the saints encourage each other has an impact upon the church, does it not? And once again, demonstrates the truth of the Christian faith. So to preserve the knowledge of the one true and living God, not only does it commemorate the work of creation, preserve the knowledge of the one true and living God, but the Sabbath also is there to stop the current of the outward life, to stop that pressure, if you would, to stop that flow, to stop that flow, that flood tide, if you will, to stop it. Uh, you know, when uh, sometimes you'll you'll see these um, 
photographs or these uh, these videos of a flood that goes through a town. So you, you have the, the 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 street main streets turned into a river. You've got that current, if you will. And isn't that the way we sometimes feel? And what the Sabbath does is it dams it up and it stops it. We get caught up in the rat race. We get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. We become workaholics or alcoholics or sports addicts or drug addicts or sex addicts. The Sabbath gives us a chance to catch our breath and to think on higher things. And so the purposes of the Sabbath include to remember the work of creation, to preserve the knowledge of the one true and living God, to stop the current of the outward life. Fourthly, to turn our hearts inward and upward to the unseen and the spiritual, to turn our hearts inward and upward to the unseen and the spiritual. The time, the Sabbath is a time when you forget about time and its pressures. The Sabbath then is a good cure for the soul. And fifthly, the purpose of the Sabbath is to instruct the people. The Sabbath affords opportunity to learn the things of God. When you miss a church service, you're missing out on a spiritual meal. You're missing out on a spiritual feast. The Sabbath affords the opportunity for you to have a wonderful time of feeding your soul. And so it is to instruct the people. And so we see then that among the purposes for the Sabbath are to commemorate, remember the work of creation, to preserve the knowledge of the one true and living God, to stop the current of the outward life, to turn our hearts inward and upward to the unseen and the spiritual, to instruct the people, fifthly, and sixthly, then, to encourage and conduct public worship. Sixthly, then, what is the purpose of the Sabbath to encourage and conduct public worship? When else would public worship be performed? When else would you do it? Would you do it on a Thursday? Would you do it on Tuesday? So it's okay to gather for worship on those days. But when else would you do it other than the Lord's Day? The Lord's Day is the set time for public worship. John says in Revelation 1.10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And so to encourage and to conduct, then, public worship. Seventhly, it is to provide recuperation for the body. It is to provide recuperation for the body. We need 
We need rest in terms of our soul. We need rest in terms of our bodies as well. It's interesting as you uh, look at uh, the fourth commandment, for example, Deuteronomy 5, verse 14, in it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your strangers within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. So your male slave and your female slave may rest as well as you. There is to be no slavish labor done on the Lord's day. And so it provides recuperation from that. Actual physical resting is appropriate, as we noted last week, a good covenant or nap. Studies have shown that we need to rest body and soul once a week. So we talk about the Sabbath being for God, for God's glory. That is certainly true. But because of who we are, how we are built, if you will, how God has made us, it is important to rest body and soul once a week. Eighthly, what is a purpose for the Sabbath? To protect, protect society from the greed of others to protect society from the greed of others. The Sabbath is a day when commercial activity is to cease. And this ceasing of commerce serves as protection for laborers and for small businessmen. Do you think Walmart wants to be open on Sunday? Of course it does. Even though, the, even though Sam Walton was a so-called Presbyterian. Of course it wants to be open on Sunday. It's a liberal of course it wants to be open on Sunday in order to drive out competition. You think the mom and pop grocery store wants to be open on the Lord's Day? Of course not. They want rest. But what happens when you have this, these big greedy businessmen who come along? And so by having, by mandating one day a week of rest, it shows that it serves as a as protection, not only for laborers who otherwise are forced to, perhaps to work seven days a week, but also to protect small businessmen as well. Ninthly, what is the purpose of the Sabbath to be a type or a, a sign of the eternal rest? We've already mentioned this before in terms of Hebrews chapter 4 with regard to how Christ has entered into his rest and there remains yet a rest for the people of God. To rest in Christ is to have eternal life. And so the Sabbath then, every week, you see, every week, when we, when we observe the Sabbath, every week, we are not only pointing to and celebrating, but resting in. Christ. We are pointing to, we are portraying to the world the fact that we believe in Jesus and that we are resting in him for our very life. Intently, what is the purpose of the Sabbath? To be a sign of the covenant. I mentioned that this was true in Moses' day. 
The Sabbath is the sign that the Creator is our God, in contrast to the false gods, which are the creations of men. We serve the true and living God, the one who actually has made this world, and we therefore observe his day. The Sabbath is a token, just like the tithe, it is a token that we belong totally and wholeheartedly to God. What is the tithe? It's one-tenth of your income. Well, does that mean that nine-tenths belongs to you? Well, no. It all belongs to God, doesn't it? But God gives us the ability to have usage of that nine-tenths. And so it is with the Sabbath. All time belongs to God. But the Sabbath belongs particularly to him. And it shows then, it is a token then, that we belong by one-seventh of our time. It's a token that we belong totally and wholeheartedly to him. And it is also a token of the resurrection of Christ, which is the guarantee of covenant. And so the Sabbath then is a sign of covenant. No wonder, no wonder that people want to destroy no wonder that the government wants to destroy the Sabbath. There have been instances where people have been prevented from attending church because of a government imposition. No wonder that is the case. And thirdly, having seen the perpetuity and uh, the purposes of the Sabbath, I just want very briefly to mention reasons annexed to the fourth commandment. Lord willing, in a few weeks, we'll come back to this more extensively. But I'll just mention at this point God's equity and fairness. He allows us six days to do our worldly employments and recreations. He requires only one day out of seven in return. Not only his equity and fairness, but his command and precept, there is a specialness to the Sabbath. It belongs to the Lord your God. The third reason is God's example. God himself rested, even so we should rest in God. And finally, God's blessing. He sanctified, he set apart the Sabbath to be a holy day for his service. And he has ordained it as a means of blessing to us in our sanctifiement. So I have two points of application today by means of rhetorical questions. The first is this. What does your Sabbath observance tell you about your life? There is a direct connection between Sabbath observance and spiritual commitment. This is the case because we are dealing with one of the Ten Commandments. But it is also so because it addresses the question of what we think about God. Is he worth our time? So what does your Sabbath observance tell you about your life? And secondly, are you resting in Christ?
He is the one who perfectly fulfilled the demands of the law and the duties of the Sabbath. He perfectly fulfilled the demands of the law and the duties of the Sabbath. He kept the law that we could not keep. He is the one, furthermore, who perfectly rested in his Father, not just on the Sabbath, but as he was on his way to the cross. He perfectly rested in his Father. And he is the one who provided the eternal rest which we look forward to and anticipate. Friends, are you resting in Christ? Is the Sabbath your delight? Are you keeping the Sabbath as you ought? Are you longing for the eternal rest that is guaranteed by His resurrection and by extension our resurrection as well?